I'm John. I'm Caden. And I'm Josh. And this is the Dark, the Dark Alley, Alley Podcast. Podcast. Now, welcome back to the third or fourth or fifth something episode of the Dark Alley Podcast. We've recorded a few of them that have never been released. Um, but today we have reunited. We have coordinated on our Google Maps. We've met in a location here in an alley to talk about our top five albums of the 2010 decade. I'll just stay my number one, <laughs> do a mic drop, no. and leave. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, let's do that. Caden, so, how about Caden? Let's see your okay. number five. Because you had your recent session listening through some, some of the ones. What did you arrive on for number five? I arrived on, and this is subject to change, but for now, my number five is Arcade Fire's The Suburbs. Ooh, is that the one that won the Grammy? It did win a Grammy, yeah, in 2010. Nice. It was released like... in 2010, won the Grammy. What kind of album is that? I've, I've never listened to that. They are, they'd be considered indie rock, and that album oh, yeah. was basically them going full force. I think it's, I think it's a bit over an hour of like this long, lots of tracks of just like a classic rock album. And I think they pulled it off really well. They kind of have like an 80s aesthetic to it as well. Um, but it, yeah, I really vibe with it. I, I've liked Arcade Fire for a while now, but I think that was definitely their strongest album from this last decade. That's pretty cool. Sounds like the kind of album I'd like. I've been replaying like the Tony Hawk games and they are filled with indie rock. So I think I'd, I think I'd vibe with it. That's cool, yeah. Hmm. Have you heard that, John, that album? Um, no, I have not. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard Arcade Fire. I've heard of them. Um, oh, yeah, really? same. But Childish Gambino has a lyric that says, I set the, I set the game ablaze. I'm an Arcade Fire. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's basically the most I've been exposed to them. <laughs> I I once rapped in an arcade, so that was Arcade Fire. But, uh, Did you really? Yeah. N- n- no, but <laughs> oh, because I've been at concerts that take place in arcades. Huh. Wait, have you actually? Yeah, yeah. I've been like concerts that have take taken place in arcades, uh, pizza parlors, um, random storage units. <laughs> You gotta wow. do, gotta do what you gotta do when you're super indie and have no money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Any, any other thoughts on that, John? And I, I guess, can't really say much. I can't really say much because I've never heard it. But a cool thing about this podcast is, like, like this particular one is, you know, you know, Caden will throw out something like Arcade Fire, where we've never heard it, and if if it's in his top five, like we obviously value his opinion and his taste so like now it it makes me want to go check them out yeah i was gonna say the same thing about this podcast that this will be a special episode just that it'll because just for the fact that we're basically recommending music to each other and we're going to discover new music yeah because all the other so far we're kind of discussing things we're already super thorough on whereas this will be quite a uh varied in that sense i think it'll be interesting it's almost yeah. like a bring your your kid to work day. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah. 
had to bring your five kids to work. <laughs> um, my number five album is Swimming by Mac Miller. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write these down, by the way. Your guys. <laughs> cool. Um, have you have you ever heard? Has anyone heard that one? Uh, I also have not, but I, of course, have heard of it. And uh, from what you've told me about it, it really sounds like something I'd like because it, uh, you say it was quite like emotionally driven, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And as as you all, yeah, like I'm, uh, obviously I'm super into Kid Cudi and stuff. So it, yeah, it sounds like another one I'd really be into. Oh, absolutely. He's, um, so his earlier albums were more like, just kind of, uh, you know, rapping for the sake of rapping, like rapping about drugs and whatnot and having more fun with his music. But as he got older, um, he was way more introspective on that Kid Cudi type vibe. So he was rapping more about his feelings and um, it has it has that vibe to it that I think you'd really like. Oh, yeah. I love that when artists do like those kind of late stage, uh, mature, introspective albums uh, obviously jay-z is probably a great example but uh, yeah that really sounds uh yeah it sounds like my kind of thing like i said definitely and i i honestly probably would have put it further um up my list but i recently got into it as of i don't know at the beginning of this year so i might have more of a recency bias towards it so that's why it, yeah. it, it hit number five where it might one day hit my number three as 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 high as number three, um, but right now it's sitting at number five. Yeah, I feel those kind of albums always get better with time. Usually, if they're done well, like I remember when I first listened to The Weekend, like I, I enjoyed it at first, but then the more you listen to it, and the more you got immersed in that gloomy world, the more it really just clicked and hit harder. Yes. Yeah. So it might be the same with that. If it ages well, it ages like a nice cheese. Have any thoughts on it, Caden? Um, not much other than I other than I really want to get into listening to some of Max albums. Um, I personally, uh, I've heard like songs from him here and there, but I never delved into his discography. Actually, my best friend from high school got really into him, and I think I kind of just I kind of was always curious, but I just never knew where to start. But Perhaps I'll start with swimming. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. All right, Josh, number five. Yeah, so um, this is probably a uh, an orthodox pick, maybe, but I really like uh, Lana Del Rey's uh, Lust for Life. Nice, really? Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people prefer ultraviolence and stuff, and I probably... It's definitely close, but uh, I went with Lust for Life because I'm a huge fan of those kind of albums with you know really spacey, grand vibes. And uh, this album really has well, really that. You know, it has this really spacey, uh, really chilled vibe all the way throughout. So it's just an amazing album to vibe to. And it's probably also a most varied album thematically, as it has uh, some 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 political stuff on there. It has uh, a little bit of hip hop with uh, even Playboy Carti on there at one point. But actually, and like she got Playboy Carti and Stevie Nicks on the same album, like that, and it made it work. Is uh, wow. impressive, really. Um, that, but yeah, I just I really I really like it. That's interesting that pick because I see, um, I think I've only listened to Ultra Violence 
by her of and also a lot of her singles but that one i i see the consensus is that norman fucking rockwell was her best album that's the one of it like i haven't i've been meaning to listen to that since it came out it's been on my phone since it came out i just haven't got around to it for some reason uh so i'm very so that might take it i imagine if i listen to that maybe maybe that will be my favorite yeah that would be pretty exciting if it takes it yeah i've personally never listened to a lana del rey album yeah i can yeah i can i can get that it's uh i i dare say music is like i don't know like a lot I guess I, I was, that's why I think I like Less for Life uh, the most is because most of her albums, I dare say, are kind of inaccessible in the sense that like they're always about kind of the same thing in a way, always very relationship-driven and stuff, which can be kind of inaccessible to some people, I imagine. And I usually am not super into that kind of thing, but like I said, I just hear this singing and uh, the way she executes it, just, it, it really works for me in a way that may, it doesn't with many others for me, yeah. the other artists. Um, I don't think I've, I have never listened. I've never not listened to an album of hers on purpose. I've just never thought of diving into her discography before, but I know that she's, uh, very highly thought of. Yeah. Cause I, I remember I just, I always see her thrown around in like, she's like, she has a following in the hip hop community, even though she's never done hip hop. Um, so I think I just check at the time I was just looking for new music and Lust for Life was like fresh out and I heard good things. So I just listened to it on a whim and that's what got me into her. Nice. Yeah. Born to Die was actually the only Lana album I've listened to. I misspoke. Oh yeah, that's that's also uh, quite a yeah, that's a highly regarded album. Like that and that and Ultraviolence are like the most popular ones from what I've seen. And I guess Norman Roswell and Norman thing as well. Yeah, yeah. What's what's Caden's number four? Number four. Let me see. Uh, my number four is David Bowie's Black Star. Nice. Uh, yeah. Have either of you listened to it? Negative, sir. No, I haven't. He he. Ha- doesn't his music have quite like a spacey vibe? Like I was just saying that about Lana Del Rey. I feel it's quite surprising I haven't actually got into his music because from what I fear, this seems to be the kind of thing as well. Like I'd like. Yeah, I would say. Um, yeah, he does a good job of like maintaining variety while also sticking to his usual sound. But yeah, I would say so. And even like a lot of the motifs in his music, recurring character. Yeah, no, I highly recommend it. Obviously. What uh, draws you to the album? Um, honestly, I would. Well, first, I would say it's sort of. It's definitely on the, or sort of more on the inaccessible side. Like the first time I heard it, I was I respected it, I think, but I, I wasn't like blown away by it. Um, or I wasn't like totally floored by it. Then I think I just kind of, I think I started reading about like the details surrounding his death. Because the album came out two days before he died, and he actually like didn't tell anyone that he had liver cancer, and he knew he was going to die. So he literally put all of his thoughts and like trying to reckon with the fact that he's dying. He put all of that into the lyricism and music for this album, and then released it right before he died, and like Jeez. dropped a bomb on the world. Um, oh, that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's insane. But then I think it just like individual tracks started like kind of were. I don't want to say earwormy, but I would like think about them later. And then I kept like revisiting a lot of tracks. And then even though there's only seven on the album, 
But then I like listened to it again. And I was like, yeah, this is a pretty fucking incredible album. Um, I think it's just like the production is really unique and um, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like it's one of those things you just would have to listen to. Yeah. And what you said as well about it not clicking for you at first, but then just really taking off later. My number one pick was the exact same for me. So I feel that's a good a sign that is good music. And as we were talking about earlier, a sign that it will be ageless. Yeah, I, I would say half of uh, maybe rounding. I don't know, roughly half of my list for top five. I didn't really vibe with at first. It took me a while to get into. Yeah, that's funny. My number one pick is the same exact thing. <laughs> Damn. Nice. I wonder what makes a, a song an earworm song. I don't know. I feel like it has to have like a lot of multiple components that make make up for that. Earworm in what, in the sense that it just kind of gets stuck in your head? or Yeah. Um, We're not just stuck in like... your head, but lingers and makes you think about it later. Right. I think... For film, I know that would generally be like if there's a lot of attention to detail and like very intricate, meaning like yeah, was, every frame was like spent hours. I was going to say depth. Like, yeah, depth. Songs that really stick with me are the ones where I listen to and then I'll notice like a new bit of instrumentation in the background I never spotted before or like a, a line that has a different meaning than I originally caught, things like that. Yeah, I think the best albums or best movies, best anything, have a lot of depth because the artist put so much care and time and and attention to the little subtle things that then stand out to you and reward numerous rewatches or replays. Yeah, like that's part of what we like with the Back to the Future trilogy. I I whimmed it in there, got it in there. Uh, like I've seen all each of those a hundred times, and I still catch new stuff all the time, which just really adds even more to it for me. You know, this really adds to why they're my favorite films. Uh, this is my number four because I have very good memories with it. Um, I have the signed album cover hanging on my wall. Uh, oh, <laughs> love story by Yellow Wolf. Yes, hey, he said it. <laughs> I couldn't leave it off. I wanted to leave it off because I wanted to try to challenge myself from some variety, but at the same time, I couldn't deny uh, Love Stories placement on my top five list because it has so much replayability and every song is a different journey. Yeah, really well put. Yeah. And I love as well, not only that, but then it all comes together to create this amazing picture of him as an individual. Mm-hmm. Is with, with Trial by Fire, that it's interesting about that as an album is it kind of goes down into the story of like an entire town. So then Love Story is a nice compliment on that because it's more the story of a single man in, in raised in that town. Uh, that's why I really like them as a, as a two thing. But yeah, um, I agree. It's amazing. Like, it's, musically, is a big part of that. Like, you have some songs which are like fully singing, and then there's some storytelling tracks like uh, Johnny Cash and Disappear, and uh, it's just such. Yeah, like you said, it's just a ride, both in individual songs and then as a cohesive thing as well. It's a really super underrated album. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I remember I went to um, a concert when he was doing his Love Story tour, and it was just <laughs> electric. 
Yeah, I went to I went I saw him during the Love Story tour as well. He came to London, I think, somewhere in England. I went to. Wow. His concerts are amazing. They are. He um <laughs> he really made me think. I knew it wasn't possible or it wasn't going to happen, but he really made me think that Eminem was going to come out during Best Friend. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of the way he was um, hyping up that end, but then he decided to sing the uh, the chorus a couple more times, and I was like, "All right, all right, it's not gonna happen." But this is still amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you know, I, I I love the song "Change" so much. Oh yeah, um, like it could go from a song like "Change" to a song like "Best Friend" to a song like "Disappear." And they're all on the same album and like Devil in My Veins. It's just like there's so many different genres on this one album. It doesn't leave anybody out. And like something that Eminem tries to do is like appeal to everybody. And there's obvious misses. Yellow Wolf tried that on this album and nailed it every single time. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of that is the structuring. Like, for example, Outer Space does not fit in with the rest of the album at all. Yeah, it works because he put it as the opening track. Like, even just small things like that actually really work really well. And I love it as well because it works really well. It's like a transition, like, uh, transition in a way because you have, you have Outer Space, which is like the, the rock rap thing. And then this Change, which has all those different styles. And what Change works for me as well because it's like what, uh, you know, you got, we were saying about how it grows on you. Because at first, it kind of sounds like a mess to me, Change, because it's like three different styles all meshed together. Mm-hmm. Then you listen to it more and it all just clicks and it's incredible. And then that transitions into the full country with American You. It's just really good uh, uh, track listing. Yeah, and the variety never ends. It's like you never know what you're going to get in the next song. Yeah. And then uh, it ends on this intense, like, fiddle song <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> which is just nuts what do you think of a Caden? um as i honestly recollect the individual songs more than full album but i definitely enjoy um the songs that i heard from it i remember yeah i, I found myself pleasantly surprised by the instrumentation I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good album. I, I do like it. I should ought to revisit the album as a full experience because, like I said, I'm more familiar with individual songs from it. But, yeah, I feel favorable towards it. Yeah. Well, very nice. Very nice. I'm trying to get, I also, just, I guess just in general as well, I love that dynamic of like how he mixes in rapping and, and singing, kind of bouncing between the two. Um, I just love the whole dynamic here, you know, in general, and this album does it really well too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, really yeah, great nice. album. Cool. All right, you're number four. Uh, yeah. Um, what's my number four? Um, on the <laughs> draw on the blank. Um, all right, Kid Cudi, uh, Man on the Moon Two. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I realized. When I was thinking of the list, I realized I just got into 2010. So, was, yeah, yeah. But Man on the Moon 2 is uh, just, it's, um, it's really one of the, I just, it's incredible as, as a, an album in terms of an experience. Like, um, it sends you on this, like, just the side, the way it just sends you on this psychedelic, emotional, trippy adventure. It's just really cool musically. Like, you can really just get lost in it. 
and um it's the way he really brings that out musically with the uh the way you know the, the, the deep singing and the the belting out in songs like Mr. Rager. It's just musically, it's just an incredible adventure, as I said. And uh, the lyrics as well, also some really uh, surprisingly deep stuff. Like, I don't think Kid Cudi ever really has crazy deep lyrics necessarily, but there were really uh, some really deep stuff here on Man on Moon 2, I felt. Like, uh, Mr. Like, again, Mr. Rager has some really uh, lyrics that really trip you out the more you think of it. Like, um, I'm, drawing a bl- I'm drawing a blank right now, but. Uh, it's overall, it's a uh, yeah, like I said, it's just an adventure. Really sums it up for me. Just a really trippy experience. Uh, obviously, just great musically. Yeah, I really like it. Nice. Um, I've listened to it a bunch, actually. Uh, more so, the beginning of the album. Um, I'm gonna search for it right now, man. On it's interesting because I actually prefer, like, for me, I prefer the like. Because the first half, uh, the first half, like the first third, uh, probably like the lightest part of the album. I've always been drawn more to the last two thirds of it, where it really plummets into this dark, uh, spiritual, trippy thing. Truly, really the appeal of it for me. I I can stand the uh, the first half, the first half being better for you. Yeah, um, I really like the intro with Celo well, yeah. Green. Scott McCuddy versus the world with Celo. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very solid album. It's like you said, it's very. It can get very trippy. You listen to it, Kaden? Um, honestly, I haven't. I've, I've listened. I'm not too familiar with Cuddy. I've heard individual songs from him, but I have not delved into any of his albums yet. I think you'll like it because it's very psychedelic, and I know you know you like some uh, artists with a very psychedelic vibes to them. Yeah. Do you Tame Impala? Um, yeah, Tame Impala. Do you find Man on the Moon 2 is like a good introduction to him or no? I'd say Man on the Moon 1 would be a better intro. Um, yeah. yeah. But for, for me, like Man on, the Moon, Man on the Moon 1 is better as an intro and Man on the Moon 2 is the kind of thing that grows on you with time. I can never decide which I like more, but basically Man on the Moon 1 is much more accessible, I'd say. Yeah. It took two a while to click for me, whereas one I loved immediately. Right. They're both, but I love them both pretty much equally now. He's going to make a third one, right? One day. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point he uh, bigged it up for years and he decided not to do it. Um, but then, obviously, in, in the recent collab with Eminem, he said the trilogy continues. And I can only refer to Man on the Moon. So, I guess he's doing oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I never thought that was referring to that. Well, because I'm not familiar with his discography. But I think most people took it as like, oh, he's going to have a collab with Eminem. Like again. a trilogy of collabs. But not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, a trilogy of There was a Man on the Moon 2.5, you know, his album Satellite Flight. Have you heard that, John? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's considered 2.5. So there's that, I guess. But yeah. So he's doing like a Kingdom Hearts type deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Final Fantasy. He's going to do Kingdom Hearts 2.55 encoded next. <laughs> Deep Kid Cudi lore. I'm bored for it. And then the three, the third will prob- uh, finally come out and everyone will be kind of disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> In Passion, Pain, and Demon Slaying, that was basically Man on the Moon 3. It was like very, like very much in that line. 
but many people just consider that Man on the Moon 3. I, I imagine he kind of des- did design it as that, but then didn't release it under that name uh, just to avoid, like, lower expectations, you know, like why Dre released it as Compton rather than uh, Detox. Right, yeah. Because you can't oh. really live up to a name after you've hyped it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. Sale. It's impossible to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, practically is. Huh. But... You know, your boy is still doing exhale after he's talked about it for four years. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right. I guess we are at number three. Number three. Oh, man, this was crazy. But um, I for my number three right now, I put Kendrick Lamar's to pimp a butterfly. Nice. Ooh. Edgy take for Josh. Yeah. I, yeah. I uh, was hoping. Yeah, well, you you get your thoughts out the way first because after I say my thoughts, I'm getting cancelled from the internet. (laughs) We're in a dark alley for a reason, and we're hoping one of us will get jumped. Hopefully, this time it'll be Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what 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 makes it work for you? Um, I think what makes it work for me is I see. I this was yet another album that was inaccessible to me, and it took me. I think a few listens for it to click on, click with me. And uh, it, I think part of what makes it really work for me is to me, I see the narrative and themes as strong as Good Kid Mad City. I mean, let's just, if you want to say they're equivalent, sure. But I think what pushes it over it for me, honestly, is I think musically it's just, it is more interesting and unique and captivating to me like talk about like replay value it's like every time i listen to it or even just individual tracks i feel like i'm always discovering things and i think it's because the immense amount of detail that went into it um along with like all the features that he had on it and what they brought to the table it just is like it feels like very overwhelming but it also at the same time is um i guess palatable once you once you, I guess, let it just wash over you. Because, yeah, the first couple of listens, I was not really feeling it. Or I could admire it, um, but I wasn't really vibing with it yet. Yeah, I'm I'm still at that stage. Um, because with me, like, I appreciate the... Um, I appreciate the themes, and I recognize how deep the music is, and, uh, music is and everything, but it's just not hitting me. Like... I feel like you know the kind of themes this album has and everything. Like it, I feel like I should be really powerful and like damn and stuff. You know, hit, hit me in that way, and good kid, Mad City and stuff as well. Um, but I don't know it's just I don't know what it is it's like honestly just musically it just bores me honestly. Um, I'm not I'm not into jazz at all, but I even you know I'm not into country either. But Love Story really hooked me. But I don't know what it is, but it's just uh, something about it just has not clicked for me yet. Um, you know, like I said, I, I can. I think the themes are really well portrayed. I, uh, like I said, musically, there's an insane amount of depth there. So I can recognize it's uh, objectively a great album. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I'm still at that stage where it's just not clicked for me yet, unfortunately. And also, as I said in the chat, for free, I just find really great. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's still it's the way he says it and the way it repeats and repeats it. Uh, I find that really grating to listen to. I know that's this, the nail in the coffin you, on my 
public perception. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot that's like a lot of people put that as like one of their favorites. So I know that's the nail in the coffin for me, but um <laughs> I find that great in as hell. But in general, I, I like a lot of songs in there. Um I find the singles really good. So I think it is really a case where it's just that accessibility where it's it's gonna take a while for you to sink in. Because I love the singles, uh, but the rest hasn't clicked it clicked for me yet. But I think as you said, it, it probably clicked for you, so it might for me eventually with more listens. Hmm. Yeah. What about you, John? John thoughts on it? My thoughts on it are um I think it is a very, very, very well done album. It has. I think I'm in the middle of the road between uh, you and Josh. I think I do recognize how great it is, but it hasn't clicked for me as far as I'm going to go out of my way to play it. I can. I appreciate the hell out of it, um, and all of all of its messages that it brings forth. I appreciate the depth and really like the voice acting Kendrick does all throughout the whole album. He really raises the bar as far as rap is rap. Sure. But rap, if you are a good actor, if you're a good voice actor, he has so many different voices that he introduces on this album that he really paints a full picture. And I really love that about this album. Very cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. The strength of all his projects for me. And uh, it's definitely well here too yeah i would argue good kid mad city is cinematic as well and actually if we were if we were allowing repetition of artists good kid mad city would probably have to be number four for me right behind to pimp a butterfly but like i said just musically i think it just being so original inventive and yeah more unique and interesting to me in that respect I, i pushed it over the top for me no, that's awesome. Good, Good Kid, Mad City was going to be my number five, but I just, but I just slightly prefer Lust for Life, uh, which is yeah. probably blasphemy. But yeah, <laughs> hey, it's all opinions. We've been arrested. Uh, what the hell's that? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting arrested. <laughs> We're loitering in dark alleys. <laughs> I was just about to say that. So while you're getting processed and charged, we should be at our number two by then so <laughs> um no but John's that's number three yeah my number three um well i wanted to just bring it back to kendrick one more time uh i just earlier this year i went through a kendrick phase where i was listening to a whole lot of kendrick and i had such a good time doing it i just wanted to go on youtube and watch every interview i could find from him and just his humbleness and his you could tell how driven he is when he's in the zone to make music and there's just nothing I don't admire about him. Like with uh, the black Panther soundtrack, like he could have just, you know, did his two, three songs and then, you know, just regulated the rest of it. But he was on almost every track there. Mm -hmm. It says a lot to me. He didn't even put his name on them either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three. Yeah. Some Nights by Fun, the band. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Back in 2011 or 12, they were absolutely everywhere, and they probably outstayed their welcome. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I remember, what was it? The, uh, was it We Are Young? Was it yeah. that? We Are Young. 
yeah. like that was everywhere. I love that song, and uh, I'll share love to uh, Nate Roos, Roos, Rios, yeah, whatever the fuck. His performance on Headlights. Um, so I've always, he's always, there's just always been a band I've wanted to check out because I've loved everything I've heard from them. I just haven't uh, got there. But why does it work so much for you? They, like it. what they do is they, um, well, their their band consists of, I don't know who the third guy is, but Nate, I, I, I say Rouse. I'm probably wrong, Fuck but Nate Rouse, he's so good. And um, Jack Antonoff, he's a, he's a band member. And he has actually, he writes with Taylor Swift. He's written a bunch of her biggest hits. He's written for Katy Perry. He's written for uh, Lord. Um, you think of a big pop star, he's probably written a few hit singles for them. So like they had Nate's voice and Jack's writing. It's going to create good music. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that album came out and I liked We Are Young and I liked Some Nights and I it took me a minute to get into the auto-tune on the Some Nights song. But like I went and I randomly this was before streaming music was a big deal, like before Apple Music. So I went to Target and I bought the Some Nights album and I put it in the car and I it didn't leave my car for the entire year. It has the song on there called stars which I'll, I'll send you guys a link to it later but this song stars like he sings basically like candidly about how he misses being more private and he misses just being alone talking to his mom in the mornings which i found like singers don't usually get that in depth you know and i just felt like yeah. i felt that and um so that happened for like the first minute or two of the song and then the rest of the six or seven minute song it's him singing over the changed beat in auto-tune the entire time and it just worked and um, super yeah yeah actually like i loved that song so much it's called stars i made a song called stars on on one of my albums rugrat x just because i wanted to make a song called stars because i loved that one so much that's that's that sounds really cool you sold me on it i uh, yeah that sounds so cool (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll link it to you uh, maybe after the podcast. But yeah, number three, Some Nights. I, I'll always hold that album close, no matter how like uh, national acclaim it got or whatever. Yeah, you sold me on that. That sounds really cool. Awesome. So I guess my number three uh, is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Oh, <laughs> nice. Interesting timing because Caden, you uh, have kind of, it's kind of gone down in your estimations, right? Yeah, it has to be honest. What, Why? Uh, how come it doesn't work as much for you now? Oh, <laughs> I was gonna ask you how, how does what makes it work? Does it work now? for me? I, yeah. know we, <laughs> I know we had the Kanye podcast three months ago, which is crazy. The last <laughs> podcast that we did, um, unreleased I, ones. Ooh, yeah, we got a treasure trove. <laughs> treasure trove. I, I'm still feel like I have to articulate it, but it just. To, like, to put it simply, I think I said in the chat that it just doesn't hit me as hard emotionally anymore. Um, like, I respect the hell out of the ambition, and there's still songs on that still really resonate pretty strongly, like uh, Devil in a New Dress and Dark Fantasy. Specifically, those two, for some reason, stood out to me on this listen. Um, but I don't know. It almost It almost feels, like, inconsistent to me. I don't know. I'd have to think about it some more. Um, it's almost like the flow of it is a little 
bizarre. I mean, I still, like I said, I still respect the hell out of ambition and even like what he was able to achieve sonically is impressive, but it just doesn't feel that special for me anymore. Anyway, what, what about you? Like what makes it number three for you? First of all, I do see what you're saying about it flow wise. Um, it is very like he has a song like Runaway, which is, you know, piano singing. And then right after that, then there's like a rock rap thing. I do get what you're saying in that sense. Um, but for me, as I as I said in the, the unreleased podcast, uh, I, I just love that grandeur to it. The, how, you know, the grand uh, orchestral vibe that's going on. And then the way he combines that with a mixture of this deep dive into him into you know him and his persona and everything and then also how that relates and intertwines with the modern society at the time it's just such a rich album for me on all levels you know musically thematically and obviously then has some of his best rapping of his career for me with songs like gorgeous and uh, and then there's also the the really cool creative ones as well and like anything we've heard from him before or since like runaway and also in Blame Game as well, the second verse of Blame Game, where it's literally like him rapping, but each line comes from a different ear, and like, yeah, there's so many yeah. interesting ideas going on there, and it all, it all comes together, like I said, to create this cool picture of both him as a man and him and the society at the time, which is why also why I like the Marshall Mathers LP. It just really makes it such a it really makes the album age in an interesting way for me thematically, and then obviously like I said musically as well. It's just really all comes together for me. Eminem keeps getting referenced. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily he's not in my top five uh, in this instance, so there's you know there's that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? It, or should we ask? That's it. Yeah. What, what was John? Well, let me talk about Eminem first. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. Obviously, it's it was hard not to put it in my top five. Um, it, it's definitely probably Kanye's objectively best album. Um, it took so many risks. It, it was right on the heels of like his his Taylor Swift thing. And he was like almost blacklisted from being cool. But he turned to wait as well, which wasn't well received till years later. Yeah, and he just turned all of it on his head and proved everybody wrong. And, you know, we got that amazing verse from Nikki. Uh, we got that amazing oh, yeah. verse from Rick Ross, uh, which you can't say very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, huh. But, you know, when I'm in a Kanye mood, uh, this album is, it just satisfies every Kanye craving I have. And it's, whenever I dive into it, it's really hard to get out of. And listen to something else. It's just so well done. And it's one of those albums where I feel like, um, you know, I, I usually find new things every time I listen to it. Like, usually usually within the instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It, with Lost, uh, was it Lost in the World? Um, I remember the, that, that's one of those songs, again, we'd be kind of running theme in this podcast, where at first it, I, that sounds like a mess to me. But then the more I listened to it, the more I picked up more things and the more it just all came together. Uh, that's really yeah, it's a ton of replay value for me, interestingly, because it doesn't for Caden, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting epic. how it works. Huh? Yeah, it's a really epic sounding song. Yeah, I yeah, like at the, the end, epic. at the end of the song where it's like he's almost like going huh, huh, just over and over again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
but it adds to it and he he pulls it off which is really cool yeah like i said a lot of really unique ideas there like like i said as well the blame game second verse which is like i remember the first time i heard that i thought it was like a like a transition skit thing it never even occurred to me it was actually a, a verse and when where's like you know jumping from ear to ear and everything like that yeah yeah like i said it's a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on there it's really really good album I yeah. definitely agree, yeah. A lot of interesting things going on throughout the album. <laughs> then you have Chris Rock's, like, two-minute no. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You usually yeah. skip that. Like, it's it's a really... I think it's a really funny thing, but then when you've heard it a hundred times, it's... Uh, no. <laughs> it's old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as, as skits tend to. Yeah. That's one thing, uh, uh, kind of off-topic, I guess, but... The, so a lot of old albums that can be a pain in the ass to listen to, like in the, on their normal CD, because you have to constantly skip through skits every two minutes. The case here, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to give anything away. There might be a skit or two on Exhale you might have to skip, but this <laughs> <laughs> so is not too frequent. En- if the album's great enough, then you're not going to be that pressed to skip the skit. I think usually the issue with a skit would be if it goes on too long. Like, I, I, maybe this is a subjective thing, but if it goes on too long, then it's for its own good, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I would I, argue Blame uh, Game does that skit at the end. I think it's closer to three minutes. I could be wrong, but it, it does feel like it goes on too long for its own good. But if it's just like, I don't know, a minute or shorter of a skit and it's kind of helps push along the album flow, then it's fine. I would argue Chris Rock's skit doesn't really help the album flow. That's on that point. Probably enhances the reason to want to skip. Skits that's very on point. Because thinking about it, I do listen to like the first like thirty seconds, or whatever, and then I realize that there's still two minutes left. So that, that's when I skip it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that satis- That's that satisfaction you get though when you do complete it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess we're down Maybe to number, number two. two. Um. So let me see what I have for my number two. I have. Radiohead's a moon-shaped pool. Ooh, nice. Yeah, have you guys listened to Radiohead at all? No. Uh, I I mean I I, pro- I think I've heard ones here or, uh, here and there, but I couldn't like tell you anything like top my head. You know, even yes. disappointed right now. <laughs> disappointed with us. Yeah, no. <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> I've yeah, heard that they're very uh, like artistic and creative, right? All their albums yeah. are different and whatnot. Yeah, all of their albums are actually very different, and they definitely push boundaries, which I know we would mostly say about any artist that we're fond of, but they actually have been incredibly influential. They've been together about 30 years now. Um, but How old are they? Are they in their 50s? They, yeah, now they're in, yeah, they're in their maybe mid-50s. Wow. Yeah, um, the best album to start with them, though, I've, just like any kind of listener, would be In Rainbows. Um, very accessible, but also just shows how masterful they are at their craft. But A Moonshape Pool is just, I think, if you were to listen to it, I mean, you could even start with that one. Um, but it's just a lush, beautiful listening experience. Like, the production is insane, and the songwriting is, like, top-notch. Wow. What's it like musically? Like, what kind of genre is it? Um, I would say 
Well, they're alternative rock. I would say it's alternative rock, but it also... I'm trying to think how would I put this. Definitely alternative rock, but it's a very soft album. Like, it's not a loud album. It's very kind of subtle and quiet. And even if you look at the album cover, it kind of reflects, and the album title, it reflects actually like the overall flavor of it is very watery. So it's like almost like a lot of watery ballads um, with a few more up-tempo things, but it's a very kind of almost, I don't know if I, I don't want to say put in the background, but it's like kind of a chill listening experience, but there's also a lot of anxiety to it. It's hard to describe, but it sounds like very like watery, the production, like it's underwater. Wow. I'm looking at the cover right now. That does look really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They call it art rock. I guess that's probably a solid way to describe it. Um, but I just think like the, the risks they took in production, especially for at the time, like in 2016, I don't think people were really experimenting with these sort of this sort of instrumentation. But I just think across all their albums, most of their albums, the instrumentation is genuinely um, unique and well thought out and just kind of boundary pushing. And like, yeah, the music is super captivating. I think because there's also so much attention to detail and they're such a tight um, working together. Five mm. of them. Yeah. Nice. I they're am. amazing live too. I would definitely say they're hands down the best band I've seen live. Wow. Oh yeah, I find those kind of uh, those kind of bands do work really well live. Sometimes even better live than in the recording. Yeah, they might. Yeah, they probably would be an example of a band that for me transcends the recordings. Yeah, I guess I love that those kind of albums that just take you like they you know they really craft out this interesting world, be it through the music and all the lyrics, and then you just you can get lost to it, get lost in it, if you you know really just zone out to it, which is actually yeah. why part of why I love my number one pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The suspense, but yeah. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> I added that album to my um, to my playlist, so I'm gonna check that one out. A Moonshape Pool? Yeah. Oh, let me know what you think. I'm really yeah. curious. I will. The way you described it made me want to check it out. The way that it's um, yeah, more I'm more happy. mellow and good songwriting and good uh, production. I'm just I'm curious. Totally. Big Hayden, you release the. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Number two for John. Number two for John is MC Lars, Lars Attacks. And I know uh, whoever decides to listen to this probably has no idea who or what that is. Um, but <laughs> okay. Lars Attacks is, or MC Lars is a rapper. He, he's a nerdcore rapper. Essentially, he raps about like liter literacy, like uh, like books, like like plays. Um, but this particular album, he takes a step away from that, and it's a very introspective album. He talks about his religion. He talks about um, his his drug experimentation, and and coincides it with his love for writing and all things literary. Um, he just gets very deep on this album. And a funny thing is, is his core fan base kind of rejected this album when it came out. So he hasn't made anything like this since, but it was something he really wanted to do. 
And I, I heard it and I immediately latched onto it because it was so different from what he usually makes. Um, and it's really sad that he'll probably never make an album like this again, which is probably what puts it so high for me because it is from him. Mm-hmm. It's actually the same with my number one as well. It's, uh, yeah, interesting. Nice. Oh, well, yeah, um, I remember, didn't you send me one of the songs from that album? I believe it was from that album. I did, I did. Yeah, you sent it in the chat. I yeah, remember. I really, really liked that. Wasn't it like quite rock infused? I believe, I think you remember. Yeah, it's a song called Art of Darkness with the rapper. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that blew yeah. me away. I really like that. Um, yeah. I really like rap rock songs um, and yeah and like the way he pulled that off combined with like the, the introspective lyrics and uh, whatnot. Uh, yeah I, it really did make me interested in checking out more it's definitely someone who's been on my to, to listen to list since that yeah I mean I could I'm not going to because it's it's no fun when someone floods the chat with something but I could send you more and more songs from that album alone in I guarantee you'll have similar reactions to different songs. It's just such a good, well put together album with really good writing. And um, like I said, introspective, which is something that the nerdcore audience doesn't really click with, which is why he doesn't really do that kind of music anymore, which is so sad. Yeah. But- it's it's very disappointing, but at least yeah, he at least he that's made it. My impression, yeah. When I first least... heard that, I was like, oh, I would love to hear loads more of this. And also, there's the album, but then, yeah, it's a shame he didn't continue with that. I think it was a really, I found it a really interesting and unique sound. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I I went to um this uh, concert he put on when this album was released, and he opened up his set with the song called Lars Attacks. And it's all about like aliens landing in Roswell, New Mexico, and um, I love stuff like that. Yeah, and he just makes it super fun. And he's like, "I came to chew gum and I came to kick raps, but I'm all <laughs> out of gum, so now Lars attacks." It's just so fun. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun album. It totally. I like is. when they don't take it too seriously. Like I don't, like when artists don't take themselves too seriously like that. Uh, in like lyrics wise it's just, that's just great yeah I mean just like um, Radiohead uh, you know you, you pointed out how the production was really well um, MC Lars records with a live band so his oh that's cool his instrumentation is really well as or really well as uh, as well as the I, I don't know I've never heard the Radiohead album but I assume it's like not equal quality because MC Lars is an indie artist, so it's going to be lesser just because. But it it is really well put together, right? I remember as well, Love Story. I think did the same thing with live instrumentation. Yeah. Even if you're not like, even if you don't know that it was done like that, like it really just makes everything uh, hit harder, even on a subconscious level. So even if you don't realize it, like you you know you realize it on a subconscious level, everything just feels so much richer and and deeper. Yeah. Live instrumentation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. One more thing I want to say about Lars Attacks. I saw MC Lars this year in February before coronavirus wow. hit. And um, I need... Oh, yeah, you sent the photo. Yeah, I needed a new yeah. uh, Lars Attacks album because I've had mine since 2011 when it came out. 
and it's a white album and the one I had was all like you know old and like almost yellow how it gets old you know so I went up to him and I was like hey he remembered me and we started talking and I was like by the way I need a new Lars Attacks album and he looked at me and said really because it just like it hit me because like no one asks for that album and he gave it to me (laughs) he didn't make me buy it he just gave it to me he's like dude i love that you asked for that here (laughs) yeah yeah so mc lars if you're listening to this podcast by chance make another album like that you know just stay stay true to who you are and i think that that's what makes artists special all right what's your number two sir uh well we can just skip over this one because it's love story Nice. So we've already uh, gone into that, but uh, yeah, damn. love story. I was wondering oh. if what your favorite. I, I, have we discussed this? But I was. I thought maybe like you put Trial by Fire. Um, I, I honestly, I think Trial by Fire is a better, better as an album because, like I said, it has that thing where it's basically uh, the story of an entire town. So like he tells stories of different citizens and p- paints a picture of the town. Um, so I, which is all and it's. I feel it's just much better as an album, Trial by Fire, in that sense. Much, you know, much more cohesive thematically and musically too, I guess. Uh, but for me, Love Story. Um, I mean, I've already talked about why I love it, but but yeah, Love Story for me is this is this best album. I'm curious what your number one is. Um, <laughs> I have an idea. Should we move to the final round? Yeah. All right, we're at number one. number one. High Violet by The National. And um, they're in another alt-rock band. Uh, I got into them last year, but this one is... I don't know, it's hard to describe because I see them as very subtle, and I think their music is very nuanced. I think some people find it monotonous, especially if you're used to like music with a ton of crescendos, which this album does a few songs with some nice crescendos, particularly the opening track. But... Just as a whole, I think a lot of people get that impression when they listen to some of the national. But this album, I think it's just so tight. The songwriting is, there's not really any filler there for me, at least. And it just really speaks to me. They did take time to grow on me, admittedly. But What kind of uh, music is again? Like, is it it um, alt-rock? Yeah, I said alt-rock. I think... um, yeah, I would say alt rock, but they're also considered, and this album specifically too, they're kind of considered like post punk. Okay, um, we're getting into really, uh, yeah, yeah, or they call it post punk revival. That's kind of funny. Like inspired by this, feels so rock. old right now. Now MC Lars actually calls himself post punk laptop rap. <laughs> oh really? Wow. Yeah, so I've heard that before. I'm just going to yeah, play so this segment to my family and they'd just be dumbfounded. If you did what? I'm just going to play this section of the podcast to my mother and grandmother and they're just going to be dumbfounded. How come? Yeah, why? Because well, uh, <laughs> post-punk revival, like I feel like that's something uh, that will perplex them. Well, hi, hi Josh's mom and grandma. Uh. <laughs> Aloha. My grandmother's just discovering what uh, what hip hop is. So she's just learning that fast part of rap god right now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> have you have you guys listened to the national at all or? i've actually no, I, I never haven't. heard of them thing yeah i uh i haven't heard of them even yeah i honestly until well it sounds stupid but i mean until i had started listening to them i actually hadn't heard them either like i literally had not and then i think i was looking up top albums list and i saw them like ranked high fairly decent amount i think one thing that makes them kind of unique and for better or is that a lot of times you will see them let's say hit some top charts here and there but they're not going to be like stereotypical like this is the best album of the decade or this is one of the top bands of the decade um because i think like i said about the crescendo thing they're not a showy band and i'm trying to think of how better to articulate that but make, not, like minimalist maybe yeah i guess you could say minimalist yeah and like a lot of people use a disparaging remark monotonous um but and i think yeah even the first time i heard it it was it's hard to describe but a friend of mine actually had the same experience with them like the first time we heard them like we had enough desire to want to listen to them more so there was something about the music that stuck with us but it was say, very like subtle and minimalist which is funny you say like death Kind of like, would you say like structurally is very samey like you know like first verse hook second verse hook say, say like that maybe well i would say yeah but there's something yeah but i would say there's something under underneath it woven into the music into like the fabric of really most of their albums and most of their songs that it stays with you at least for me it's like even though it's like you can look at it and classically and say well it's maybe not the showiest album or like the most groundbreaking thing, but it's like the music just stays with you. And I think part of it is the main lead singer's voice and his lyrics. He really does make it. Um, his name is Matt Berninger. Um, and he's a wild presence in person, but on stage, I should say. But he, I think really a lot of their charm or lasting appeal for me is specifically his voice because he has baritone, a baritone voice and it's kind of unique to hear that sometimes in rock but also like his lyrics linger with you like he has such a profound way of saying very simple phrases that hit you really hard like a really effective poet yeah i think that is part of what it is honestly is like their lyrics really do feel like poetry more so than he's the rug rat of punk pop revival whatever else yeah, maybe the Nationals like Rugrat meets Post Punker. <laughs> they got inspired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds really cool. It very, sounds very different in a in a very intriguing way. I uh, yeah, very curious to check them out. Yeah. Yeah. How long have they been uh, a band? They've been a band since at least I want to say about twenty years. They released their debut, I believe, nineteen years ago. Mm. Um, let me actually fact check that. I think it was nineteen years ago. Interesting to me too because, uh, like a lot of I found albums that are very structured in that sense tend to age really badly for me. Like I really like Starboy by The Weekend at first, but it's aged quite poorly for me because everything is just so structured and the same. So it's interesting to interesting to me that uh, that that actually had staying power for you, hmm. despite that structure. So, yeah, seeing me structure. Yeah, it, it's a li- slight, almost mildly perplexing to me too, because there's no other band or artist that, um, of like any any time period that I really respect and really love the heck out of that I can say 
fit that fit that bill because generally if an artist does feel like very samey or kind of minimalist and not too like I don't know why I keep saying crescendos but I feel like that's kind of distinctive about their music the lack of crescendos and that's why like we said samey like if if you like are listening to a lot of artists like that I would think it wouldn't be that interesting but for some reason they're one that does get me and emotionally I really enjoy it I guess that's where the attention to detail and depth in the, you know on that deeper level I think that's what I guess that's where it really comes into play there yeah, so really a yeah. testament to how that can really add a lot of value to stuff that maybe on a surface level don't appear to be anything crazy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it really creeps up on you. Yeah, with more listens. Cool. I love music like that. It, it definitely shows depth, and it shows. Uh, you know, they they didn't just show up one day and make a song and call it a day. Like they they spent time on it. Yeah, totally. What yeah. is your number one, John? My number one album of the 2010 decade is Childish Gambino's Because the Internet. How's it feel to be uh, Gambino? Yeah. Gambino. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys heard the album? I have not, I've, unfortunately. I was I meant to back in high school, but I ended up just listening to the songs from it. But I like those. Fairly big when it came out. Like I feel like I feel a lot about. I remember hearing a ton about it too. Yeah. So when I first got into Childish Gambino, it was when his first album Camp came out, and he changed so much as an artist from Camp to Because the Internet. And I really loved what he did on Camp. And so when I heard Because the Internet, it didn't take me in as quickly you know and i actually went back to it maybe a couple years after it came out and then it clicked with me um so on his first album he was all about his wordplay and his silliness and just kind of hooked you with that but um because the internet he really hooks you with his storytelling and his attitude and his persona almost and a cool thing about this album is so at the end of camp there's this whole monologue about him being on a bus coming home from camp. And um, he's, he's talking as if he's from the perspective of a character called the boy. And he tells the secret to this girl on the bus and then he falls asleep and then she tells everybody. And then at the end, everyone's making fun of him and he has more of a cynical outlook on life. And that story carries over to because the internet and it has way more of a cynical outlook on life and he he tell he continues the story of the boy through this album and the cool thing is is he actually wrote a screenplay to go along with the album which actually oh like, yeah i heard about that it yeah it, it um you read it and it coincides with 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 the songs and it it, it really makes it very cinematic and very well put together and um it's just it's such a phenomenal record that I cannot ever recommend high, highly enough. Uh, yeah. That's what, that's why I love the weekend so much is because of uh, that just a strong storytelling and cinematic element. That sounds like exactly my kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I guarantee you you enjoy it very very much. Yeah, I remember I, I started writing rap lyrics to the beat for three thousand and five back in high school. I remember yeah. that. That, like that wasn't the first song I rap to, I think, but that was one of them. Like I remember hearing that as a single. Fuck yeah, <laughs> the lyrics are so fun on that too. 
Mm-hmm. Now that's that's a that's a very infectious beat. That's a great beat. Yeah, it was like too infectious. <laughs> How is it musically? Like, is there like is there like that mix of rap and singing, or is, was this more of a rap one? This was um, his transition from rap to singing. So it had it had some good rapping on it, but mostly it was him going into singing, and he would just. Uh, just croon throughout the album and it was beautifully done which is why yeah, cool. which is why I didn't it didn't click with me at first because I did love his rap so much in his other album that I wanted more of that so like songs like 3005 and sweatpants if you've heard that one those two songs yeah. have the most rapping on them um, aside from life the biggest troll at the very end um, yeah, but most of the album is him singing, and like I said, just having this like cynical attitude. He's kind of playing the part of his character from the screenplay that carries over from his first album. It's it's so much to get into. It's it musically, it's very well done too. It's very very big. It's almost like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but not as Kanye, you know. Um, Literally, I guess. Yeah, it's. Wasn't it's, he acting at this time too, like in Community? He was had started already, right? No, yeah, he he he'd been acting um, during his other album too, during his yeah, mixtapes like before his album. He's he, he's been doing so much for so long. That's yeah, crazy. So yeah, that's my that's my number one for sure. I love yeah, I love vers- vers- uh, versatility and and stuff like that. Yeah. About childish, is he? Um, is has he lately, like in the last year or two, been focused more on musical acting? Um, I mean, he put out an album this year, um, right? I would say music is probably secondary to him, or even third, mm-hmm. because he's yeah. working on his show Atlanta, and right. he does have kids now. So he's always talked about oh, yeah. how he's wanted to write a book. Um, you know, you never know somebody is as multi-talented as him. You really never know what you're going to get next. Yeah. Right. So it could be a movie. It could be a community reunion. Even it could be a new stand-up comedy special. It could be a TV show, you know, you, you name it. He'll, he, yeah. he, he was in, uh, that star Wars movie solo as Lando. Yeah. Yeah. He was great in that. Yeah, he's he's great. I recommend. I really, I really respect creatives like that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Like a modern day Renaissance man for sure. That's part of why I like uh, Seth MacFarlane, for example. Like he does, uh, he, like he's doing like a sci-fi show, voice acting for two animated comedies, and he releases like old school classical albums as well. Like he does loads of different things. Obviously, writing, directing, and everything as well. So yeah, I love creatives like that. Nice. Yeah, I know. I know a guy personally who does music. He does uh, dabbles in YouTube. He, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can get yeah. you his contact. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess my number one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My number one, as correctly predicted by Jonathan, is uh, is Kissland by the Weekend. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So, so that this is fitting timing because it's actually just re- it's I think. 
right now where it was number one on the iTunes charts. Like it suddenly saw this huge surge in popularity right now for some reason. And but prior to that, it was always like it was always his least popular project because um, again, it's one of those albums which is way different to anything else he's done. I mean, it's in a similar vein, but it's very different and it's very inaccessible. Um, so you know, like as, as you're saying, the first time I listened to it, um, I just like. I didn't hate it. It was just there for me. Like I didn't have an opinion on it either way. Like I was just completely indifferent to it. But then the more you listen to it, the more everything just clicks. And then suddenly, and now just every time I listen to it, I'm just enchanted. It's a, uh, it's as on top of it being having very grand, uh, grand feeling, just like my Beautiful Talk Twisted Fantasy. I'm very, I very, I love albums like that. Um, also, so same related to very similar to your uh, Gambino album. It has this really deep story to it. Where uh, across the entire album, where he's not only uh, expanding the the weekend character with character development and everything, but he's also fleshing out these this entire world. Because basically, the story is he travels to Kissland, and uh, that's where he has this, uh, this thing with this with a stripper, like this relationship with a stripper. And uh, then it's also it was, it was designed at a time in his life where he had just become big from trilogy, so he was. Um, Basically, dealing with feelings of like, of like ice, feeling isolation and being in this unfamiliar territory because he was, you know, touring for the first time and everything. And then he goes back home. Then at the end of the album, and finds out, uh, you know, his girl was cheating on him, and obviously he was cheating on her. And it's, you know, it's all this just insane story going on with character development and everything like that. And you combine that with all this, you know, the grand musicality of it and all these crazy melodies and. It's, it's, it's an incredible experience, is how I describe it. Wow. What yeah, makes it... You make it sound pretty great. Yeah, what makes yeah, it cause... inaccessible? Um, I, I, I honestly couldn't put my finger on what it is. I guess it's just, like, myself and everyone else I know who, is, who have listened to it, and including, like, just reading the pings online, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what it is. It's just the first time you listen to it, like you recognize this stuff going on, but it's just you're completely indifferent to it. You're like, oh, okay. It was all right, I guess, but I preferred the other stuff. And as you return to it more, it's just on one listen, it just kind of clicks for you. I really couldn't tell you what it is. Um, I guess because maybe like structurally is all over the place. Like this, I don't think there's a single song on the album which is like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like he's just constantly doing all these switch ups. Um, and also musically, at the time, it was like, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of like orchestral and synthy, but it's also, I, I'd have to re-listen to it to fully describe it. Like, there's, there's so much weirdness going on, I guess. Um, not weird in like a Kanye level, but like, it's just very, um, very, yeah, it's just very different, I guess. Um, but it's aged incredibly well. And actually, listen to it now, it does sound like a modern album. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's just very very unique would you put it well ahead of trilogy and house of balloons or no um that's the thing like if i were to if we were not doing this uh one per artist trilogy would probably be like no three or four maybe so uh it wouldn't be well above it would be like yeah i mean they're, they're near close to me like one or two spots uh gap most people tend to prefer trilogy, but for me, Kisslam was a lot more richer for me. Do you like House of Balloons or? Oh yeah, definitely. That'd be my number two after, because House of Balloons is part of trilogy. Oh okay. Yeah. What are um, the three so... parts of trilogy? 
Utter Balloons, Thursday, and Echoes of Silence. Oh, nice. I like the name Thursday. That's a cool name. Yeah, I I, I love all his album names. They're really cool. House of Balloons is cool too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kissland is kind of a lame name, honestly. But, um... Yeah, he... I mean, uh, it, it, it accurately describes where he went in the story, which I guess is the point. Yeah. Um, Kissland, like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> he could have made a better name for the place, I guess, yeah. Because yeah. it's basically Japan. Like Josh's it's what house. He's, he's describing as Japan, and like the, all the music videos are in Japan. It's like a glorified version of Japan, essentially. Not only glorified, like, it's glor- it's, he portrays it as like... Uh, glorified and picturesque on the surface level, but then it actually has a really shady and seedy underworld. It's a really cool portrayal. Like it really feels sci-fi in a way. Like if you watch the music video of "Belong to the World," it's uh, like this really cool sci-fi. It's all inspired by uh, films like Blade Runner and like a lot of like eighty oh. sci-fi. Very cool. I get that vibe from it. Maybe, maybe because I have watched a few weekend music videos, I totally get. That. Yeah, it's inspired by like Blade Runner and like a lot of like yeah, just sci-fi from that era and just movies in general from that era. It's a ton of depth and it's such a cool concept and he just he absolutely nails it. Wow. Wasn't Starboy kind of in that same sort of vein when he was in that mindset? In what sense? As far as like embracing that sort of like colorful sci-fi aesthetic. Um, I wouldn't really describe Starboy as sci-fi. Um, it's for, for me. I think that was very much probably as uh, I don't know. I wouldn't read. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't describe that as sci-fi. I get what you mean with all like the neon lights and stuff. But Kiss Sam was a much grander vision. I feel where Starboy was very much just uh, way probably his most stereotypical concept in a way because that was basically just you know the stereotypical rich thing. I don't think it was as inspired as uh, Kiss Land or Trilogy or whatever. But it was basically yeah, just made for radio, right? Praises his other album. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do like Starboy as well, but uh, like trilogy Kissland After Hours, like those have such deeper, such so much more going on. I feel. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about um, After Hours when the podcast is over. Yeah, I uh, have you heard that, Caden? No, I haven't. Have <laughs> you probably had blinding lights? Right, that's been like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He he definitely has if even if he doesn't know the title of it, it's everywhere. I think yeah yeah I've probably heard it. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I that's guess it, right? that's. Do we have any more uh, final statements? Uh, honorable mentions. How about some honorable mentions? Okay. Oh. Beach House's Teen Dream, probably Tame Impala's Lonerism. Third one that I wrote down was Frank Ocean's Blonde. I would say uh, 1989 by Taylor Swift. Another one would be Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes. Gone Now by The Bleachers. The last one would say I would put uh, Joanne by Lady Gaga. I guess for mine, uh, as I alluded to, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City. I I really like Kids See Ghosts. I would probably say Marshall Manor's LP too. Dr. Dre Compton. Those are just a few that come to mind immediately. All right, well, well, thank you all for listening to our top five albums of the 2010s list. Um, join us next time. We'll, we'll probably do an episode about our top five films 
of all time. And on nobody's list, will there be Back to the Future? All right, bye. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know, it's not good at all.